0: Hello and welcome to Alive or Just Blathering, a podcast where two thirty-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Keith McLeod and with me is my fellow host Chris Lavender. Today on Alive or Just Blathering, I'll be taking us through "Of Love and Lunacy" by Still Remains. I'm Keith. What's it time for, love? It's
1: time for you to bring your darling onto this show.
0: My sweet baby, my sweet baby rays of music.
1: My words. You have waited so long to discuss this album.
0: I really have, man. I, I really have. When, when we started to do things chronologically, I realised I was, I was in for a bit of a wait before we could finally discuss this album. <laughs> but we're here. The time is now. We're almost at a year. This is this is the year anniversary. This is the, 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 our release dates fall in between, but we could say this is our our year of AOGB and we've gone full circle. This is the reason I started the pod, or the reason we started the pod. It's of Love and Lunacy, but it still remains.
1: I can see by the smile on your face you just cannot wait. You're just bursting with energy and love. For this this band and this album. I'm I'm thrilled.
0: Very much so, man. I am uh, yeah, I've just got a lot of time, a lot of time for this album, a lot of time for this band. And yeah, let's let's get into it.
1: Well, thank you everyone everyone for coming back. This is Alive of Just Blethering. Please do give us a shout at EOGB Podcast on Instagram or Twitter, or even send us an email, eogb.podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So, Keith. Go on. Where, where where do you begin? Where do you start? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> where, 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 um, where, he's lost for words. People where, where at or dear listeners at home. He, he's lost for words. He's choking up.
0: Right. It's it's two thousand and five. Goodness me. Right. I'm in a friend's house. George Bush is still in charge. We are thirty-somethings. That was a while ago. Fuck. I'm in a friend's house. Okay. MTV 2 is on. Maybe Kerrang, I don't know, whatever. And this video comes on. Details, but never mind. Now You you mentioned a certain brand of video last week, Lav. The sepia tones, the band performances, the crab core. I nearly died inside when you said Crabcore because it just reminded me of so much. But, you know, the very stereotypical metalcore video, right? Oh yeah. And this video comes on. And I'm like, look at these idiots. Look, look at these absolute... D- the next day, after just watching the worst is yet to come music video, I bought the album and I've never looked back. There we go. That was how I found Still Remains. Within the space of four and a half minute music video, I suppose, and that's the point of music videos is to get you in. I was like, this is shit. Oh no, wait, that was actually amazing. And then I saw like the, the album the next day in HMV and I was like, yeah, let's, let's go for this. I think it was like, Another fourteen ninety nine or or something, you know. It wasn't it wasn't the two for a ten or whatever, and uh I, yeah, this album gets played annually. You know, not 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 monthly or or whatever, but you know, I'll I will often drop back into still remains. Mm-hmm. Not even just this album. I do have time for all of their material.
1: Okay, not not and, that I don't reflect that, but okay,
0: and I get that. I get that, it varies wildly And let's let's talk about that Because the two main albums he released on Roadrunner Records So Of Love and Lunacy was released 21st of May 2005 That's how, I, that's all I can say is 2005 was when I saw the video for Worst is Yet to Come The Worst is Yet to Come, thank you very much Because, you know, everyone loves a long title And this album is incredible, in my opinion it's the reason I wanted to start the pod, because I didn't think enough people talked about this. You know, I was thinking... I think it was, it was my annual turn to listen to Of Love and Lunacy. And I'm just thinking, not enough people appreciate this. I had friends at the time that knew the album and liked it. Maybe two people in particular. But like no one else really talked about it. No, I, nev- I never heard anyone bring Still Remains to me. I always try to bring Still Remains to people. But yeah, this album, for me, is incredible. The follow-up album, The Serpent... No, I get it. I get it. There's a I listened to it again in preparation for this. I enjoyed nearly all of the songs okay good that's good I, there's there's some absolute crackers on there there's some not absolute crackers on there, but in general, the whole album is if a love and lunacy is a ten, then that album's about a six, and that's maybe being kind wow that's that's not an album full of mostly crackers. Mostly good songs. Like, I enjoy most of the songs. I don't mean it's a 6 out of 10 in general. The album's maybe, I don't know, 7 out of 10. I just mean in comparison to... <laughs> I'm going to pick it Love up some more. You need to pick it up a little bit more. I just mean in general, of against of Love and Lunacy, the album itself is is just... It's just turned down on almost every level. The guitars, first ironically, are tuned up. It's nowhere near as heavy an album. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near as loud or progressive or technically interesting an album. And that's a bit of a shame, I think, a lot of studio interference. I think I think the guys must have been sort of flagged up by Roadrunner as maybe the first album didn't do as well. Here's a load of things you can do to make it better, but it they took out everything that made the first album good.
1: Yeah. Which is a shame, because
0: that I uh hands up
1: didn't I think I might have listened to Maybe two tracks from the Serpent back in two thousand seven, and I was like, "Nope, this is this is garbage. This is not for me. This it was not the sound that I was listening to in two thousand seven, and two thousand seven I was predominantly listening to probably a bit more, a bit more hardcore, maybe even some more. I'll, I'll tell you, I it was probably." But I was probably listening to a lot of Parkway Drive in 2007, actually, come to think of it. Oh, yeah. Loved a bit of Parkway Drive. Certainly the first or well, the early two albums, you know, Horizons and the one before it, that whose name escapes me, that I felt was the more natural progression for Still Remains. But they went down a different route. They, they stayed in the, dare I call it, a glam lane. That's that's no, I don't
0: think I don't think they went glam. I think you could maybe say they went down the same trap as previous AOGB albums as perhaps Eighteen Visions mm. or even, dare I say, the slightly less better band than Trivium Avenge Sevenfold.
1: Potentially. Potentially.
0: But anyway, that's the serpent. We're here to talk about Love and Lunacy. To me, to this day, what is this? A seventeen year old album? Obviously it's the same same age as ascendancy, same year. 17 year old album. Still a ten out of ten. I think you could release this album today. Maybe you could tweak it a little bit in production. I'll give you that so the sound has sort of came on a little bit. I think you could release this album today and it would still be an absolute cracker. I would I would
1: agree, because I think aside from the style I think the sound of the album is actually great. I, I think there's, it's a really well considered album, well recorded, well written, well performed. The style is of a time, and you know that kind of comes with the territory. But then of a
0: time, but I would say they do it so well. It's almost what I'm saying about the serpent. They they, they took by, by saying they took so much out. out, out they, you know, they took out they, they, they tuned up the guitars and serpent. So for me, of Love and Lunacy sounds is you know it's a, it's tuned down to something. The the prog elements of the songs. I mean, they don't dick around here. Like we've got nearly a f- track 3's nearly five minutes. Track four is four and a half minutes. Track six four and a half minutes. Track nine recovery. I'm going to talk a lot about that song. <laughs> Six, 5 minutes 16 they're not sh- it's not a short album like these guys put in the whole album 12 songs 49 minutes 53 seconds these guys put in a, for me a lot of effort into this stuff it's the, you know it doesn't follow to say that we were listening to no fx now i'm, I'm not picking on no FX. it's that's apples and oranges comparing no FX and still remains but no FX, very much an A, B, A, C structured sort of punk songs mm-hmm. and that's fine because that's what those guys do and they do it very well i would say the writing on of love and lunacy is just incredible in comparison like you know they don't follow a particularly standard structure there's breakdowns here there's bridges there there's beatdowns there there's different sections all over the place and it, to this day it still blows my mind that these are there's not a song in this album i would skip
1: i'll agree 10 out t- 10 times out of that that is It was a very unskippable album. I enjoyed listening to all of it. And each song that comes on one after the other, I'm like, oh, fucking banger after banger after banger. Really, it surprised me. I think I, because I don't hold the band in the same regard, because it is, effectively to me, they're a a one-hit wonder of a band. They had one cracking album. Absolutely smashed it, nailed it, totally perfect, and then were never able to recreate that. And then, after the second album, lineup changes, change, um, changing, slight change in sound, a bad recording, if you will. Didn't mm-hmm. it just, I just left it, walked away. I don't want to play with you anymore, dropped. No interest in the band again whatsoever. The amount of music that was pummeling us. In 2005 and 2006, that sounded exactly like this. You had your Under Oaths, You're Atreus, your, uh, It Dies Today, mm-hmm. um, Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, Catherine. There's a load of bands that were just clamoring after your ears. And yeah. I'm, I feel like the next few episodes we're going to talk about perhaps are going to be a lot of bands that may well have been perhaps a flash in the pan like still remains were for me yet they they still mean something to us or they still have a, a place in our playlists
0: no definitely it's good at the next i know my next couple of selections coming up anyway were very influential on me nowhere near as much as what, what this album was but they were very much a sign of the time and not even a flash in the pan but like there was this pocket of we sort of talked about it last last week I was about to say last year, where there was just this pocket of two thousand five, not even a pocket because I was about to extend it out to you know maybe two thousand and what we were saying last year, last week two thousand fifteen of the whole sort of Facebook era and stuff like that. There was just this, this, especially around about two thousand five, two thousand eight. There was just this pocket of like sort of peak metalcore. It was it was on its way out, but you had some amazing bands on it. So you're mentioning Parkway Drive as well. Like Parkway Drive were were incredible and part of the tail end of metalcore. Mm-hmm. Although not particularly a metalcore band, would you say? They're metalcore,
1: through and through. You listen to the the alternate pick-in. The only difference is that they really had a standout synth
0: player. Well, so do Still Remains.
1: Um, oh, who, who? Sorry, who were you talking about? I thought you we were talking about Still Remains.
0: No, I am talking about... Oh, you're saying Still Remains are a, are, are a through and through... Metalcore band. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. I was saying Parkway Drive. Oh right. Okay. Where, where on the was on the tail end of, of Metalcore. Still a metalcore band, but sort of went on out of Metalcore and, you know, didn't didn't sort of flounder in that genre, if you know what I mean. I
1: feel like Parkway Drive did sort of in a similar place to Kill Switch Engage, no no doubt helped by Adam D, but they had a a, a, a quality about them that made them stand out. Yeah. Uh, uh, and if you ever see, if you ever saw Parkway Drive live back in those days as well, they 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 absolutely smashed it every time. And I think what what stood out with me was still remains in that metalcore sense because I think they did have to have they have to had something that stood out and grabbed our ears. They had the same ingredients as Bleeding Through. Which was the synth player. The synth on of Love and Lunacy. It's really present. It's 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 not deep in the mix. It's there.
0: It's Yeah, it's not a devil soul to soul sort of white noise sort of vibe. It's there's lead parts, yeah. it carries in harmonies and melodies, etc. Yeah, it's 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 very much its own instrument in, in that band. And, and I think to, to its credit, oh, absolutely to its credit. 100%. It's
1: not overused. It's not burnt out. It's, it's individual and it works. It works really, really well with the compositions and the guitar lines. It all just blends beautifully together. And you think, I think there's some acts that try to introduce an electronic element. Maybe not quite a synth, like synth strings, but some kind of just something and it, and it always sort of is a bit jaggy it, it, it jags it juts out doesn't quite mix perfectly well
0: yeah it's almost it's like in in no disrespect to these musicians it's almost the metal core equivalent of the new metal dj like you want to have mm-hmm. good, good you know it's cool to have a dj yeah so you want to have some scratches you want to have some samples you want to have some some breakbeats in it or whatever but by this point, by 2005, 2006, you're like, we need to have those, like, we need to have our own strings. You know, we need to have, like, our own synth strings and we need to have those stabs and we need to bring that sort of stuff in. So, it, it and in an example that still remains, it was used to incredibly well effect, but I've heard bands where it just, hm overused, not used in the right places, etc. I'd argue
1: it didn't, it really hit peak when the likes of Enter Shikari came along. And took what was a background sound to an effect, an instrument to make it like front and center. And you listen to the original Enter Shikari stuff, and they've got like dance breakdowns and stuff in the middle of it. That was a that was a real a real culture shift in the in the hardcore scene that that I never saw coming, which is probably why I liked it at first. But it's it's you know it's still it's that introduction of, of electronica into into heavy metal and, and metalcore was a probably much needed shift mm-hmm. that was needed in the gears at the time. And, and again, it's just another thing that stood out because you, you've got so much noise, literal noise, from all sides yeah. of these bands, and they had to have something to grab you and take you. And I remember the first time I heard Still Remains was after the announcement of the the. Uh, Road Runner Road Rage tour, which was which we talked about in the Trivium episode, that got announced, and the head, and the touring acts were all announced as well. So it was Trivium, Three Inches of Blood, still remains. Mm-hmm. So I went out of my way to find as much of these bands as possible. So I had Ascendancy. I managed to find a handful of Three Inches of Blood songs, and I discovered literally the day. I'm pretty sure it must have been. Early May, I might have even got it before it released on a on an advanced copy from one of the forums. But it was hearing that, and me and my friend who went were like, "Holy shit, these guys are amazing! Like this is this is incredible." And this This was
0: of love and lunacy.
1: Yeah, of love and lunacy, and it's a debut album.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, you you listen to the first Trivium album, it's it's it's, um, dog shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, these guys had an EP before this, but but you're right. It's it's absolutely a level above anything else going even, on. Even even so above Ascendancy, oh, I would even say. As- oh, mm. yeah, absolutely. Ascendancy
1: is showing its um its cracks, it's showing its age. It's showing its its um its place.
0: Is that do you know? In fairness, though, to to Trivium and Ascendancy, do you think that's maybe because Trivium continued? we've had more Trivium, we've had more Matt Heafy, we've had those guys grow and develop where essentially still remains, although having three albums, the, you know, 2005 for, i love and say 2008, 2007, sorry, for The Serpent, came back in 2013 with a self-release through whatever it was, GoFundMe, and of course I've got it signed. Thanks, boys. But, you know, they, they only exist in that pocket, whereas, what was it we said? last week there's 12 trivium studio albums you've got a lot more Two to compare it to yeah you've got a lot more to compare to so you've seen trivium air quotes improve you know change their sound mature their sound or whatever whereas we only really have this album from still remains and it's not it's not one to be beaten but um yeah it's it's produced by a guy called Garth Richardson so that should be familiar it is it's very funny. familiar Because Garth Richardson produced Rage Against the Machine, Skunkinancy, Kitty, Spineshank, Mudvayne, and later on Biffy Clyro. Wow. Roder and I had a lot of faith in this band. And I really want to know what happened to that faith. Because... we've, We've almost talked about it too much, but The Serpent is such a change in direction. I think they're still there. They still have... They obviously still have the guitars, they still have the beatdowns, they still have the, the keyboard player and stuff like that, but it's just...
1: Who produced The Serpent? Was it was it a different producer? Was there a different writer?
0: The Serpent was produced by Steve Evitz. And I'd like to know who gets these choices,
1: because you, you look at the names that Steve Evitts has been involved with, like, Every Time I Die... Dillinger Escape Plan, so, yeah. Symphony X... Buried Alive, Glassjaw, Glassjaw, Earth Crisis. You know there's some big, big names in there. Whether he was producing or mixing or an engineer, uh, hmm. A Static Lullabies and Don't Forget to Breathe,
0: brilliant album. He is legend. Suck at the poison that came after I Am Hollywood. So it's it's it's
1: bizarre that
0: it, who made the choices that made that
1: album sound the way it does. Do you do you blame? Do you do you point the finger at the producer? Or was there some meddling involved from any any side, whether that be from a band side or a label side, and they were just stuck in the middle just doing what they were told? Potentially. Because clearly the producer has great chops. Great chops.
0: Great chops. <laughs> the, I mean, we, we, we have to acknowledge there was a personnel change. So this is a red flag for me. And unfortunately, Still Remains are a perfect example of this red flag. So in the space between Of Love and Lunacy and The Serpent, the bass player, drummer and keyboard player left. That's a big
1: personnel change.
0: Big personnel change, right? So you've got three members leaving. Mm. You're bringing in three new members. And then you've got an album that sounds completely different. So now the red flag to me is, did the label say, hey, look, your first album, we put a bit into that. It didn't perform as well as we wanted it to. We want you guys to try this. The three band members were like, nah, that's not our band. I'm out. They've had to bring in three other musicians. Mm -hmm. They've tried to do The Serpent. It's still not worked. Because essentially there was a conflict there they were the band were doing something they didn't want to do. and so they broke up in 2008. You know I love want say 2005 the serpent 2007. they broke up a year later. yeah, there's,
1: there's clearly some unrest. I think that I've just just mentioned it there how well the synths worked with the guitars and you've you know you've taken out what I'm saying is a really key element of the band. Then, then that's always going to have these. going to have these problems because they're not going to work. They're just not gelling together.
0: Mike, Mike Church actually. So the sort of the the clean vocalist mm-hmm. and second guitarist didn't actually come on until 2005. So Mike came on very late on mm-hmm. after the EP and into of Love and Lunacy. So was there always that sort of level of meddling from from the label to try and make this band something more than it was even though you've got an absolute lightning in a jar example like of love and lunacy did it collapse on the serpent and then you listen to ceasing to breathe the 2013 self-funded album Mm -hmm. it's way more in line with of love and lunacy and that's the original synth player returning it's... Original synth player, original drummer, and sorry, not original drummer. It is. Ad, it is. Ad, Ad, well, it's it's
1: the drummer for of Love and Lunacy.
0: Yep, AJ, and and Mike, Mike's back, so yeah. What is and that that's the red flag to me. You've got a massive personnel change. You've got a massive change in sound, and then the band break up. Mm-hmm. That's just a sequence of events you'll see throughout other bands that makes that screams to me label label interference. You know, look at what's happened to, to more recently in movies. Mm. We've got after the Snyder Cut. Let, let's go there. Let, let, let's 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 poke a let's poke a sleeping bear, <laughs> an angry Edge Lord sleeping bear of the Snyder fans, and say, hands down, the Snyder Cut is a far superior film. Te- oh, to it's fantastic. To you know, Justice whatever it was. The jo- Josh
1: josh dist league as the as I've heard but of it. But that's the...
0: because Zack Snyder left. Yep. For horrible reasons. Yep. They brought in Joss Whedon to finish it because Joss Whedon was Mr. Avengers. Albeit an al- <laughs> already named piece of shit, but still the Avengers man. And he told he did what they told him to do. And the the studio absolutely butchered it. I I think that that example applies to music and, a, and a, it can apply to, to albums, and we saw that with the circle. Well,
1: and it's death, death by committee, isn't it? Where as soon as you get yeah. a committee of individuals, you get aimless, base, feelingless. No, you know, if you've got no real aim or passion, you, you lose it all. The the roadmap for Warner was shortened. Beyond compare, they could have, if they'd sat and took their time. I think it's hard. I I think it's hard. It's it's obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's hard to acknowledge how much time they put into building up the Avengers before the Avengers got released. So you had you had Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, the Hulk. All got released.
0: Iron Man 2
1: and Iron Man 2 so there was you know before they did an Avengers film whereas Warner Brothers were playing catch-up and they yeah they always were and they had you know they had Man of Steel was it Man of Steel
0: Man of Steel was 2013 I think
1: all the way into Batman versus
0: Superman and it was like holy shit that was a jump and, and then it was Justice League, and then it was... Yeah, they,
1: three. So there was two movies, and then there was the big ensemble piece.
0: Yeah, where they introduced like four new characters. Exactly.
1: Totally, totally fucking it up. And I genuinely think if Warner had sat and took their time, they could have built another amazing franchise that we'd be going to watch the films on a biannual basis, throwing money at them, whatever. But that's not happened now.
0: And they they made a rod for their own backs by rushing it. They rushed it. And now we're getting three Batman films in two years. <laughs> Fine. Because they panicked and they've gone back to what they know.
1: Now they've gone back to what they know and what makes them money is Batman, so they're making more Batman movies. And you know what? I've I've seen the latest Batman movie, The Batman.
0: Fucking oh, great. It's fucking great. It's fucking great. Yeah, but you also went to go you also went to go see The Joker. I did. What was
1: nothing wrong with that?
0: It was great. Another great film. No, I, I have my issues with it that um, you won't accept because I've never seen it.
1: <laughs> you don't like the fans of the movie.
0: No, I don't like Warner Brothers just making Batman movies. It's not a Batman movie, right. right? What is the Joker without Batman? It's the Joker who would be nothing without Batman. It's, I mean, baby Bruce Wayne's in it, isn't he? There's a child Bruce Wayne. There's I mean, he a... exists. Daddy Wayne's in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 a Batman film and everything but name. Because it's about the Joker.
1: Yeah, but it shows... Oh, fuck, I'm not having this argument. Right? The, the Joker... Ex- <laughs> can, the Joker can exist without Batman. The Joker... Joker's existence is not because of the Batman.
0: It is. It,
1: I mean, obviously, in pop culture it is. But in that movie,
0: in that... St- yeah, can you yeah, you can have a standalone film that is just about the Joker, which is what they did. But that jo- the Joker wouldn't exist without Batman. Equally so, Batman wouldn't exist without the Joker. The, the, the popularity of the two characters are entwined. So, so what's your but, what's
1: your problem, caller?
0: <laughs> well, my problem is rather than just make a f- an actual film about another character, it's just an extension of Batman. Like, you know, they could have done a good Wonder Woman film rather than the Wonder Woman 2 that we got. Or they could have done the Cyborg film they said we were going to do. Or, you know, what the fuck's been going on with Flashpoint? Or they could have done Blue Beetles being talked about. They could have done any other film. But it's not they really... That ca-
1: I wouldn't say... I'd say that they've their idea of what they did with Joker was a really clever, smart move to make a non-superhero movie. There's no superhero antics in it. There's no crime fighting.
0: But he's a superhero
1: vil- he's a super villain. He's a he's supervillain. Just of with a with a broken. He's a broken individual with a a, a sad past, and it gives you some. It puts some credence and and weight in their
0: actions. But it shouldn't because he's a fucking murdering psychopath. He is at the end of the film. Yeah. So he's a. Murdering psychopath. The, like, the, why, why are we? Right. It's like it's the same issue with it's the same issue with glorifying Harley Quinn. Like, why are little girls want to dress up with Harley like as Harley Quinn when she's a a murdering psychopath? Because, because it's all Batman. Because it's all Joker. <laughs> like, that's what they can sell.
1: Yeah, it's sellable. It's that's sellable. But yeah, um. Anyway, I think the Joker film was great. I think the just the Justice League was terrible, and I think the Zack Snyder Justice League was great. I think the Aquaman film was meh. I think Wonder Woman was two-thirds good, one-third pfft, And the sequel to Wonder Woman, I've not seen.
0: Oh, it's a binfire. It is an absolute bin fire. I watched it on a flight, and I just wanted to jump out the plane. <laughs> could have stop. You could have. Stop could have. Instead, I was like to, to erase this from my I'm memory. I'm going to test
1: this door to my right.
0: Anyway, this is not uh, still remains. So my point being is that I think I think that's how we ended up with the serpent. I don't know this for a fact. I've not read this anywhere. I have no nothing to back this up. But those are just my sort of red flags. You know what I mean? You've 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 got the personnel change. You've got the sound change, and ultimately the band broke up.
1: So the keyboard player Ben Showland, He went on to join the glam glamcore Nintendo Core. Power metal. Oh my God, blessed by a broken blessed heart. Blessed by a broken heart. There's a memory. <sighs> so they started
0: off. They're a Canadian rock band. Talk about a band that used keyboards too much.
1: Well, they went. They they went all in. They did. They were. If you ever see a picture of them, it'll probably just melt through the paper. It was just so much neon. They were very very. They were a very loud band, and they toured with Enter Shikari back in two thousand I want to say seven.
0: He's not in the timeline. Was he just a touring member? Oh, he did. T- he was only in it for a year. Did 2009, 2010.
1: But the band, Blessed By A Broken Heart, saw them with Enter Shikari. And they were, there's one of those gigs I felt really sorry for them. Because... For for who? For, for Blessed By A Broken Heart. Because everyone at that gig was there to see Enter Shikari. Yeah, that's always. was. That's brutal, isn't Blessed it? by a broken heart. They've travelled all the way from Canada. They've come to Edinburgh, Subway Edinburgh, and they've got they've, they the bring in Enter Shikari on support. Every ninety five percent of the crowd. Oh no! Left after Enter Shikari.
0: That's. I mean, I, I've 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 probably been that guy. To be fair, I, I don't I don't say that I've stayed for every support band or I've stayed for every headline or whatever, but it's such a crap thing to do. it was
1: heartbreaking, and the guy, and the guys on stage saw it happen, and I was like, Eww. I felt really sorry for them and it, i just felt I just felt really bad that they they got they got done over by that, and it wasn't their fault they 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 came over to do their stuff, and if it was the other way around, if it was blessed by a broken heart supporting into shikari. I think more people would have seen "Blessed by a Broken Heart."
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. That's probably what it should have been, because, I mean, to this, uh, to this day, I've I heard of "Blessed by a Broken Heart" at a very particular time, and I've never seen or heard from them again. So, but Enter Shikari had an absolutely massive underground following here. So why? Why were they the head... Why, why were Blessed by Broken Heart the headliners?
1: I have no, that's, no idea. I don't that's, know if it was the decision based on distance travelled, some kind of... I, I mean, we have to acknowledge that Enter Shikari at that stage, you, you just said that they had this massive underground following. They were just the hottest ticket in town. And I said, yeah. I think I said last week on Comeback Kid that Comeback Kid are the band I have seen more times than any other band, potentially. Mm-hmm. second place might be Shikari, mm-hmm. and it might honestly be within the space of two years I've lost count of how many times between I think it was December 2006 and 2008 that I saw Anishikari because they were it was incessant they were on every show it was every tour they were either a support act they were there and they were doing all the little venues i think i saw them at studios cab vol subway hmm. i saw them at the head of steam in newcastle and they were just it was every every other month they were there
0: easily done when your parents are flipping the bill they?
1: they put the work in
0: Damn. I, don't, I don't no no, they, 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 did, they did put the work in and that, that's the thing that sort of gets me a little bit about Inner Shikari is that they you're right they were so massive in an underground sense they were so prolific they held off on record they, I don't think they ever signed to a record deal did they? they? they were self-promoted the whole time but then they sort of just sort of pittered out a little bit by the end but you know I even seen one of their new songs a couple of weeks ago uh, it was a live video performance the, the the vocalist was doing something on a weird television so all I can describe it as. And it was actually a really good song. It was super interesting. It was super... Not, not the sort of metalcore... had had no sort of metal-y elements of, of what they'd previously included. It was very much a sort of synth-pop song with guitars, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And it, it was great. But you know, going back to what I was saying, they were, they were massive coming up. And when they sort of broke through, actually dropped off. Is that, is that fair
1: to say? For me, they did, yeah. Uh,
0: the, I'd say for most people. Yeah, it was 2000,
1: 2005, December, that I first saw them. And then the next time I saw them was February 2006. Oh, yeah, that was it. Do you remember Eagle in Edinburgh? No. Club Eagle. They, they, they had played some gigs there. And that's where oh. I saw Enter Shikari the second time, I think. And, yeah, it was just every other like I say, every other month they were coming up. But then by, it was a whole year of seeing them and Take to the Skies didn't come out until March 2007. And I think by that point, it felt like it was a little bit late. Fair. Because it was all, all the songs you'd heard before. So Johnny Sniper, Sorry Not a Winner, Return to Energizer, Anything Can Happen in the Next Half Hour. Those four songs had been played Endlessly for the last 18 months and I'd seen them live and I had the demos and then you get them again and by the time the album came out, probably similar to Spirit Box with you, I'd heard it all 100 times before and I preferred the originals as well.
0: Yeah, there was a bit of a production change in that album. I'll give you that.
1: But that's that was, you know, that was an example of a band that they just went on to bigger and bigger things. They just kept growing and growing and like, I mean to to see a band that was once you know opening or support act at at, at subway cowgate to then yeah. to then headlining like the usher hall a few months ago is is amazing
0: anyway i want to i want to bring us back on the story i've gone way off i was feet. going to we've had a we've had a i was going we've to we've had a rant about all right, sorry, but where were you going
1: to go So what I'm saying is then you get bands like Still Remains, fair enough, an American band, so we don't see that same growth. Mm-hmm. They sort of, for us, came out of nowhere. They had this amazing album, but then it just per, per, pitted out into ugh,
0: nothing. Well, it, it didn't so much pitter out as the fact that they broke up three years after Love, Love and Lunacy. You know, they they went their separate ways. Came back in, in 2013, but I think you're right that by that point the damage was done. No one was really no one was really looking for a new Still Remains album. They didn't get picked up by a label. They they released it self-titled. Did they release it self-titled?
1: They did it. The last album was self-funded through uh, was it Indiegogo or?
0: It was it was an independent release, but they might have got picked up by Warner Music Japan, um, just by looking at the, the the wiki for it. So yeah, December 17th 2013, they released Ceasing to Breathe and it was I'm trying to find where where they funded it I mean I could probably just look at my emails <laughs> but the um, yeah 12 track album and the they crowdfunded it if
1: that although for some reason that's what they gotta do specifically where you know that's
0: but it was you know to to your point about Inter Shikari it was it was five years after the breakup you know so it was actually eight years after of Love and Lunacy, mm-hmm. I I was almost speechless to, to see that they came back. So it it's interesting because there was a bit of a journey here that I sort of saw online. First of January two thousand twelve, a still remains song appears on YouTube on the, the the channel Christian Rockers, and it's called Reading Lips. So still remains Reading Lips. Check it out. There's like a it's like a big cat, lion or a tiger's mouth or something, and it's got the it's got the title in it. It's amazing. It's an absolute balls out of love and lunacy esque song. It's so good. It's got like a really catchy upbeat uh, chorus, and I just I just loved it. I just listened to it on repeat on YouTube for so long. And then there was a bit of silence, and then there became a little bit of noise and stuff like that, and then we got the the crowdfunder the, the crowdfund came up. So they weren't looking to tour, they weren't looking to travel. They just say, "Hey, look, we're going to come back. We're going to do this album. This is the lineup." It was almost everyone to return except the bass player. They got an entirely new bass player uh, who hadn't been on the Serpent, or and it wasn't Evan Wiley who had been on mm-hmm. of Love and Lunacy. And 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 that that was that was pretty much it. To be fair, it was it was cool to be a part of it. It was it was exciting to see that they were going to come back, but nothing really more came of that. I mean, that was 2013. That was nine years ago. They've still not released any new material since. I want to say they toured.
1: I want to say I saw them tour that, that album. I've only seen Still Remains live twice. First time was opening for Trivium on the Road Rage tour. The second time was on the Kerrang! 25 tour with Bullet From Valentine and
0: Hawthorne Heights. Yeah, I... And Aiden. I mean, I might be wrong. So it was Kickstarter. It was Kickstarter they re- they released the, the campaign on. I might be wrong. Maybe they didn't... I thought they had toured, but I'm sure I've seen them twice at QMU and King Tut's.
1: Were you at King Tut's Trivium?
0: No. So, it wasn't there for Trivium.
1: So that was the Storming's time. Unless they'd... I don't know. I don't know, man. Like I say, I saw them twice. The second time I saw them, I remember them playing you know all the songs that I'd heard them do and enjoying it followed by they were then followed by Bullet for Valentine I think they were the main support and I remember I distinctly remember not a lot of people were there to see still remains they were there to see Bullet for Valentine
0: oh man so I've just googled King Tut still remains mm-hmm. not a great response to the fact there's a literal mummy called King Tut well, yes. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not getting gig lists. I'm getting <laughs> Egyptology links. <laughs> I wonder what happens if I do. You know, where is King Tut now? 2021. It ain't going to say Vincent <laughs> I Street. I, I wonder if I do gig will it come up?
1: Something interesting that I just spotted. I was just just looking through. There was a changeover of uh, at Roadrunner Records right at the time. Of of the serpent, so I'm. Um, um, this is mere speculation, pure, pure mm-hmm. coincidence. So at the end of two thousand six, Roadrunner signed an agreement with Warner and purchased seventy three and a half percent of Roadrunner's parent company, Roadrunner Music Group. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's when Warner took over Roadrunner Records.
0: Really. Now that comes back to what we were talking about, those meddling fuckheads.
1: It's just... I just want to say it's a coincidence, so it was completed by January 2007, but who knows? We weren't in that meeting, there's, there's nothing, there's, there's absolutely no evidence to say this, but if there was anything that could point a finger, you've got a massive personnel change, and you've got a change in management
0: and record label. If anyone in remains ever hears this, TJ Jordan Mike, if you ever want to, uh, maybe say not say what happened there. Let us bloody know because we'd love to know. We'd love to know because we, of course we'd love to know.
1: It's uh, you. You've, you made a great album. They made a really really good first album in of Love and Lunacy. It is side to side, wall to wall bangers. No track is worth skipping. Every track is worth it. Every second.
0: Agreed. and agreed
1: and something changed like so we've 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 pointed out all the changes and it clearly didn't work out and that's sad
0: so i just wanted to sort of hit on where i was ruined about listening to this album as well so it's 2005 i'm the to of love and lunacy i think i'm either yeah i must have been i'm i, I i've just joined a oh, metal yes. band you know i'm listening to bands like raunchy Or I'm getting introduced to bands like Raunchy. I'm getting introduced to bands like Dream Theater, two bands with a very heavy keyboard synth element. So that's why I I was just eating this stuff up. There's so much on Of Love and Lunacy that I still love today. It's got breakdowns and double kicks for days. There's absolutely raging riffs. There's octave chords that I just love, you know, just coming in. Like, listen to the start of recovery. That's the kind of stuff that I, to this day, if I hear in a band, I'm like, "No, you guys, you guys have still got something special for me. Something that's that's kicking me in the nostalgia nuts." But on recovery, what's we've we've talked about the bangers this album has. What are your, are, is there anything in particular that stands out to you? Or earlier
1: earlier today, I sent you a picture, and I was scrolling through my iPod. Oh yeah 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 you are. And I was like, "Oh, I've still got still remains on my iPod." Click.
0: <gasps> For all the listeners listening, don't worry, you've not fallen back into 2005. Lav has an iPod. That's how he controls his music at home. Don't ask me why. I still don't understand.
1: It's just fun. So, I had it on my iPod and I listened to it on my iPod. The, the original MP3s that I downloaded all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Still pristine. The wonders of digital music. And I listened to it end to end but then I was like, oh, because I'm on my iPod. Let's let's what's what song's that? Because sometimes you know you can just look at your phone. When when your phone's playing Spotify and you've got an always-on display, it's too easy to just look sometimes. But because I was on the iPod, it's a different it's a different thing. I'd put it in my pocket, and then there was two songs that made me actually pull my iPod out of my pocket. Cherish.
0: track six, yep.
1: And Blossom the Witch,
0: track twelve, yep.
1: Now. I think it was in Cherished. There's a breakdown with where the, the, the fucking drummer is going hell for leather on that bell, on the ride bell.
0: Right, okay, yeah.
1: And I'm like, oof, I love that. I love an evil ride. Oh, I love it. Oh, digging, 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 digging. Oh, man, it gets me, gets my blood pumping. Anytime I hear that, there's any band, if any band is listening to this and wants to make music that I'll... I listen to and tell people about you just stick an evil evil ride bell in there
0: that's what I'm saying stick a raging double kick and an octave chord in there and I will eat that shit for days
1: Uh, yeah and Blossom the Witch it's just a brilliant outro track it's got all the elements that you've been listening to I love a good outro track that summarises an album it feels like it feels like the end it feels like it's building up to that final track, and then you put it on, and then you just get everything. So you got all the all the moments, soft, hard, ready to go, and it's just a massive release of emotion. And I think that the layout of that was works really
0: well. What What I love about *Blossom the Witch*, and I think you're right. It 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 culminates and ends the album so well, but. The actual song, the five and a half minute song, just kind of has that one theme going throughout. It starts in the keys and by the end of the song, absolutely everybody is like, like that's just it. They just, oh, chef's kiss. They nailed it. So so good. Definitely. Anything else cherished on Blossom the Witch?
1: I think from now putting my mind back to it, White Walls always gets a, gets a mention, I think, when I'm talking about this album, uh, whether that be because I like the song White Walls by Still Remains, but I also like the song White Walls by Between the Bird and Me. So there's that. Mm-hmm. I think Recovery, I, I I seem to remember enjoying that again because there's a song by Still Remains called Recovery and there's a song by Funeral for a Friend
0: called Recovery that I like. Yeah, there's yeah, not not a unique name there. I think there's a few few out there called Recovery.
1: But yeah, I, I think there's there is a lot of songs. If if I had to pick one single moment to remove, it would be the interlude of with what you have. It's only a minute long, so I'm not going to hold it against it. But I think it just takes it takes a little bit away from the the momentum.
0: No, actually, I I fully agree on that one. I'm saying there's not a skippable song on this. You, and to be brutally honest, you you could skip with what you have. It, I think it's a nice piece for for what it is. But I don't think it's obviously the intention of the band to maybe give you a bit of a breather, give you a bit of a respite there. Maybe just you know, clearly got a a talented pianist there, Mm -hmm. so they're giving him a sort of a bit to stand alone, but. Yeah, especially when it just like drops straight back into Kelsey track, track eight. Kelsey just just spins right straight back up to hundred. Yeah,
1: it's it's not so, like it leads into like a slower song or anything. It's just it's just yeah. there. Whereas I think the the best example I can think of of an interlude moment, the the track name escapes me because I think it is probably their most famous track on the album, but it cuts it off. It's "Protest the Hero." They have a piano interlude on Kaziah.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's not a separate track. It's the end of one of the songs. And the, the, I've not looked it up before before talking about this, so the, the, the name of the song is not on the tip of my tongue.
0: Well, this happened to them on a more recent album. I think this happened to them on the most recent album, where, oh, no, it wasn't. It was this definitely because... Believe it or not, we're going to talk about protest the hero soon as well. This happened to them on. Give me a bloody red hot minute. Violition. I'm sure this happened on Violition and it was Mist. Mist had a piano outro. Right. But it was it was cut, so it sort of sounded weird. Did it? Oh, I need to double check this. I can't
1: remember. But I I I do know yeah. that there was. There's definitely a protesting hero song that because there there was another band that I had on just repeat, oh yeah, for a lot of two thousand and five and
0: two thousand and six onwards. Did my twenty twenty album of the year, pant
1: Um, yeah, they 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 nailed it, and they they had they nailed the outro track because they I think they balanced its position well. Mm-hmm. I think that's what when bands do these intro tra- these these interludes, you have to you have to think of the the balance and the flow. It's all well and good doing it, but you, you're you taking energy. Either you're going to make it kick in from a, a song that was ending low energy and you're keeping that going and building into something bigger or you're taking the energy down, getting people ready for something else. And if you just stick one in the middle, which is how I feel it does do with Of Love and Lunacy, it's a bit jarring. And I'm like, ah, great talent, just
0: not there. I mean, cherished finishes on a fade out. Cher- cherished finishes finishes on a on a rung out chord, and then you come into with what you have. But then, like I said, Kelsey just kicks off and goes absolutely bonkers. So uh, I fully understand where you're coming from. This this album would be just as good without that. Yeah. Without that interlude, unfortunately, not to discredit the interlude or, or its intention behind it, but this album would be just as good without it. Totally. But I suppose on that. I think hands down. I come back to it every time. But my favourite song on the album is "Recovery." From where it starts, it almost has like a clean verse to begin. With. Oh no, it doesn't because it starts off screaming. But you know, in the first verse, there there's a mix between sort of clean and screaming vocals. But then by the end of it, it's just got the crushing like throat beatdown. Mm-hmm.
1: Waiting at the gates. Is that that one?
0: Yeah. Yeah. thanks, yeah, I was just trying to to figure out what it was yeah, waiting at the gates just screaming that (laughs) and it gets slower and heavier and like, for me at the time it's a metal it was a metalcore thing to do but like, it was also we were talking about Conjure Conjurer Mm. the other week I would also see it in bands like that you know, like your heavier, sort of sludgier bands were doing sort of the slower heavier sort of beatdowns like that as opposed to just like quite happy jaggy metalcore songs, I would
1: say it was it was a precursor to to what became sort of the the popular deathcore thing. Yeah, so sure. as as I was listening on my iPod, I started listening to things sort of a bit more alphabetically, and <laughs> shortly after shortly after still remains in the list, I have tracks by Suicide Silence. So yeah. I gave one of their early albums a listen. That will be one that I will talk about in a few months' time, no doubt, if we get to two thousand and seven. But there's one of those examples of where the 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 music the, the, the core sound just went heavier and lower and deeper and growlier. You'd had yeah. you had the I suppose you had the the early deathcore bands like Chop for a Cowboy doing the, the whole pig squeals and stuff. Then when Suicide Silence came along, they sort of merged that with Metalcore a bit more and made it really, really accessible to just
0: kids like me who just wanted just heavy,
1: brutal with two O's
0: music. Yeah. And then of course you've got Bring Me the Horizon were absolute peak on that for a while. As they well.
1: give give giving Bring Me the Horizon credit. They have, from the day of their inception, they have had their finger on the pulse. They've almost had a crystal ball to know that by the time this album comes out, this type of music is going to be in style. This is going to be the fashion. And That's
0: an interesting perspective to have.
1: They have always been one step ahead of the curve So that they become the curve every single release, and that's why I don't like them anymore because they've gone, they did they now do music which is not my taste.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm saying that's an interesting perspective because I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. I I expect us to talk about at least Suicide Season Mm -hmm. that was so on the nose at, at, at some point. And you know that's sort of what's re- that's kind of what I had in mind when I was talking about those sort of vocals and stuff uh, was was Suicide Season, but but you're right I I ate Suicide Season for breakfast, lunch and dinner for for all of 2008, 2009. I thought it was incredible. It absolutely blew me away. I even really liked the next album. There's a hell, believe me, I've seen it. Where I think most of their original fans were starting to, to drop off by that point, and then by the time of Sepeternal. And stuff. I, w- I was gone because they were a completely different band.
1: Yep, uh, I'm the same. I've given every album at least one listen
0: through. I, I had to stop. Honestly, I, c- I couldn't even get past some of the stuff. I was didn't
1: eating. mind. I didn't mind Semper I think Semper was fine, if if not a bit bland. Uh, I think someone one of my, you know, one of my friends put it well. So I think Sem what was that Semper was 2013, twenty yeah, 2013. I would rather a kid who was like i'm you know by by the time of twenty thirteen we're we're now you know almost i think i'm must be what twenty eight and I'm seeing fifteen sixteen year old kids listening to music, and I'm like, you know what I would rather the fifteen sixteen year olds were listening to Semper paternal than what was big in 2013? Like Nicki Minaj and insert Dross pop act here. I can't think of anything else. I can't think of who was popular at the time.
0: Cause it was just... I can pretty much guarantee the young team were because I think I went to go see them what must have been the Seperturnal tour. Because I listened to the album and I was a bit like oh, I, don't, I don't really don't know how I feel about this but I had such love for the earlier stuff that I thought, right, cool. I'll go see them. I went with ball bag and the, the the cheers, the what I can only describe as high pitched screams, mm-hmm. you know, beetle level <laughs> screams for 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 that I saw in front of me at the O2 mm-hmm. in Glasgow. I was just like, I'm done. I'm I'm out of here. Like I'm not this is a different this is a different band now. And credit to them, like you say, for the if if, if if every turn has been intentional, if every turn has been to be ahead of the curve and to be the next thing that people want to listen to, well done boys. You've you've absolutely smashed that out of the park in staying relevant, and staying successful, in staying wanted. But oh boy did it push me right out. You know, the stuff they started to produce took me right out of it and I was like, nah, I can't can't do this
1: anymore, yeah, especially when you get if you go as far as 2019's emo their last full length album oh boy that is bin fire pop music i nope I'm out can't do it I've listened to they they released an ep shortly afterwards called post human survival horror and I think there's some tracks which have got Music, music produced by mick gordon
0: oh yeah i think yeah i think i read something about a collaboration there
1: so he did he did parasite eve and yeah that's that shows and, and they it's sort of they made that album as a middle finger to be like yeah we can still fucking scream we can still make heavy music we're choosing not to it was very much a middle finger to me <laughs> Like, <laughs> we don't give a fuck about me. I'm not buying their tickets. I'm not buying their merch. I'm barely buying their albums. I'm listening to them on fucking Spotify. So it's very much a, uh, they don't care about me because I'm not their target audience anymore. 20 year olds yeah. are the target audience. Yeah. 15 to 20 year olds who will preach about this band, who will sing about them. And that's kind of bringing about the Still Remains. Still Remains never had that. I don't remember there being a core group of fans. I don't remember a fan base. I remember a fervent Trivium fan base. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I remember going to see Protest the Hero and people clamouring to, to meet the band and see them and talk to them. But Still Remains just never cracked that. In, in my experience of seeing them live, they just never had that following.
0: Well, and, and so on that, I mean, I've still got some more songs to go through too, but on that, looking at the plays for *Of Love and Lunacy, the worst is yet to come, 3.2 million plays. Big song. Every other album, every other song, with the exception of White Walls and the first song, To Live and Die and Fire. All right, the first four songs <laughs> are between 900,000. 200,000 255,000 every other song doesn't break 200,000 plays
1: and I've got Kaziah's numbers in front of me and right. on Kaziah, one, two, three, four, five, six 6 tracks break a million, 3 of those break yeah. 2, and almost, you've got Blindfolds aside almost at 3 million Yeah. The, the fandom makes bands and if you've yeah. not got enough people who are bigging your band up, telling friends and other people to listen to the band and speak highly of them? No amount of MySpace friends or bulletin posts are going to change that.
0: Exactly. And that's that sort of that absolutely breaks my heart to sort of finally look at that and see those numbers and realize I was right. Not enough people were talking about Still Remains. not enough people did listen to this band because the plays show that. And that's 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 a bit heartbreaking. You know where there will but be. Anyway. You
1: know where there will be less plays.
0: Us this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this episode. I'm sorry, wait. I'm sorry, Stormians. We're probably not going to bring many listeners back for you. But just just to sort of finish it off, Recovery is absolutely my favourite song on the album. But the worst is yet to come. In place of hope, White Walls, I can revive him. Blossom, the witch, all just immediately stand out to me as amazing. The other songs are like, you know, I think you said it the other week, I can't remember what album, like if, if those songs are a 10 and the other songs are 9.9, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? I, I found, like you were saying when, when you looked at your iPod, it's a sentence I've not said in 12 years, <laughs> when you were looking at your iPod and you were like, Cherished or Blossom the Witch stands out for you, I actually... Had to look at my phone again to double check. I was listening to it "In Place of Hope" because it's absolutely raging. It is. It's out there, and it just has everything in it. And I just thought, oh my god, this. I'm still listening to this album 17 years later, and I'm still surprised by songs. So that's amazing.
1: That's great. And the reason I listen to my iPod, by the way, is because I spent a lot of time and effort making it work again.
0: I know you're a hobbyist. The, ho- the, you're a hobbyist.
1: the hard drive died. Battery didn't hold mm-hmm. charge, and then
0: dipshit, back to life. dipshit
1: here ended up cutting one of the fucking ribbon cables while opening it up, and basically opening with a tin opener. So I brought it back to life.
0: G- good on you, man! It's, good it's on it's you. Got, it's I'm got happy for you. Flash storage and that's oh, great. Oh, it's got its own, it's got its
1: own SD card. The only thing it's lacking is Bluetooth. But who likes fucking Bluetooth anyway?
0: No one. Exactly. Bluetooth. Fuck Bluetooth. That's what you've got a DAC for. <laughs> let's not talk about that let's not talk about that so
1: i think we are in time for our segment
0: our new section our new segment what are you listening to keith put it in the edit what are you listening to so love what are you listening to this week I have had a lot of pleasure
1: listening to the latest Carpenter Brute album, Leather Terror.
0: I've started it, I've not gotten on all the way through, but I have, yeah, it's
1: weird. It reminds me why metalheads like Synthwave, because it's a
0: very industrial metal album. It's the, mo- it's the most I've heard of them though. I've listened to Carpenter Brute for a few years now, I've seen Carpenter Brute in Glasgow, you know, incredible stuff. There's always been that 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 line crossed between what is synthwave and what is a metal track, and this is his most metal to date. Did you not say the Converge drummers on this album?
1: He's on one of the tracks, yeah. Right. And the last track, if you've not got that far, it features the vocals of Johan uh, Johan's uh, Anderson.
0: If you want another sort of similar act, you know, sort of synth wave, cross the lines into sort of heavier music, uh, Dance with the Dead as well also does a very good sound to, to that effect. Uh,
1: he's a, a, so Johans Anderson. he's a, a bass player and vocalist in Swedish death metal bands where the gloom becomes the sound down below, the children of the night, the formulas of death. And on the same album as Greg pukatio and gunship yeah bizarre bizarre album love it absolutely love it that's been on repeat uh this week for some reason i listened to gajira's fortitude again really liked the album thought i'd give it another listen and also i discovered a band called som through through spotify while i was studying this week I've been listening to a lot of Holy Fawn as I've just bought tickets to go and see Holy Fawn mm-hmm. uh, in, in September. And I think this band just came on afterwards. And if you're a fan of Holy Fawn, you'll be a big fan of SOM. And then lastly, in preparation for Thursday, I'm going to see Devil Soul the Soul.
0: So, bit you've, of loss. You've been listening to quite a lot? No, totally. Yeah, I think on the same. Vane, like I've I've tried to listen to Carpenter Brew, I think I got about four or five songs in. I got up to the Greg Pukanti, P- P- Pucati? P- 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 the Dillinger Escape Plan vocalist. I know, but we should really know how to pronounce <laughs> names. Yeah, I got up to I got up to Imaginary Fire. In fact, no, I got onto Goodnight Goodbye, featuring Ilver, but I didn't I didn't go through the whole thing. But also this week, I sort of went on a bit of a journey. So. I suppose it's fair to cover not just music, but also podcasts. Other podcasts we listen to. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah, sure. And I've managed to sort of rediscover a podcast I used to listen to. So it's by a, a Melbourne-based comedy trio called Auntie Donna. Have we talked about Anti Donna before? I'm very aware of who Auntie Donna are, yes. I fucking love Auntie Donna so much. I used to listen to their podcast, but... After I moved to England, after I stopped commuting to to work, I lost a lot of podcast listening time. So unfortunately, the Auntie Donna podcast slipped. But on listening to The Weekly Planet, one of their hosts, Nick Mason, recommended a, a short series Auntie Donna did where they did a podcast from a moving car. So they did three episodes of In a Moving Car. Well, the first episode is just setting out the rules of the podcast from the moving car. And then there's two episodes of them actually recording in a moving car. So I listened to that, and it was hilarious, and it's made me sort of get back into another thing they do called Party Quirks, which is a, a sketch comedy warm up thing that they've got. And yeah, I've have just, just managed to get back into the Auntie Donna podcast, and I'm so happy I'm there because it's hilarious. But on top of that, <laughs> I've followed the Auntie Donna Reddit subreddit, and someone posted a video saying, "Ah, oh, check out Broden Broden Kelly, one of the Auntie Donna guys." In this video, and it's. Uh, another Australian-based musician called Jude Perl, and she does a song called Hamish, where Broden is the titular Hamish of the video. And it's just been in my head for days. It's just this little synth-pop <laughs> song. Uh, I've, I've listened to a couple of other Jude Pearl songs. Clearly an incredibly talented musician. Not 100% my thing. I, I, I can appreciate that she's a solo artist just, just out there making her own music and stuff like that. But the song Hamish mm. just, just got me so much like it's i'm not saying she only does comedy music but it, there's there's a comedy element to that song so i have been listening to the anti-donna podcast specifically their party quirks episodes and the podcast from a moving car and a little bit of jude pearl well, i don't think i'm going to stick around there i don't think there's much for me to get out of that but there was definitely an appreciation the song hamish was hilarious uh has has an amazing hook that i've been singing all week, and yeah, Carpenter Brute, Auntie Donna, and a little bit of Jude Pearl. Why not? Let's let's put that out there.
1: Brilliant. No, well, sounds like you've been on, on a wee little journey there. Well, I've not got anything I have to say on Still Remains.
0: I love this album. I love this album to death. More people need to listen to it. If we can bring back Still Remains, that will be my crowning achievement of life of this podcast. If we can do it, that'd be great. Otherwise... Thanks for listening. No.
1: Thank you very much to our listeners. No, live.
0: Live, 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 live. Uh oh. Lav, 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 lav. What are we listening to next week?
1: Oh. Are you doing the sign out? You'll be taking us home, won't you? Next week. I'm gonna keep us in two thousand five. I was gonna go a little bit back, but I'm gonna to stick to two thousand five. And I wanna keep it metal. Fucking metal. Mm-hmm. I wanna talk about darkest hours
0: undoing ruin. Is this the only album of theirs I've actually listened to? If it
1: is, I'm going to report a crime. An international crime. You need to listen to this album. No, I've album. not listened, to, I've if not it's listened the, to
0: Undoing Ruin. I listen to Deliver Us. Deliver
1: Us, a fantastic album. Undoing Ruin was Darkest Hours beginning of their home runs. They had a home run with this one. They had a home run with Deliver Us. They had a home run with The uh, the Eternal Return. They had a home run with the one that came the human afterwards. Romance? Yes, The Human Romance. Then they didn't. <laughs> we can talk about that. Label Intervention, etc, etc. Just the label. Okay. But I will say right now, Undoing Ruin is fucking 10 out of 10. If you are not playing your air shred machine by the end of the album I'll be extremely disappointed in you
0: enjoy no pressure folks no pressure if we're not air guitaring to Undying Ruin by the end of next week then we've failed lav
1: Undoing Undoing Ruin
0: Undoing Ruin Undoing ruin. Oh that is a absolute bastard to say
1: But yeah Undoing Ruin Darkest Hour have a listen check us out next week
0: Is there anything you'd like me to do?
1: Yes I'd like you to take us home Keith
0: thank you very much thanks everyone for listening this has been Alive or Just blathering. please check us out at AOGB Podcast at Instagram or Twitter and Facebook AOGB Podcast at gmail.com if you want to drop us an email we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear your thoughts on quite a few things we talked about today actually not just Still Remains we went places give us a shout out give us a tweet give us a a like on Instagram what, whatever takes your fancy whatever floats your bow. But next week on Alive or Just Blathering, Lav will be taking us through Undoing Ruin by Darkest Ever. Thanks very much. Good night. Good night.